Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan, one of your hosts, and I'm really excited today to be joined by Kyle Evangelista. He is the president and group publisher at Guerrero Media. And I'm excited because I got to hear Kyle at the 2021 NFMA annual conference that we went to in Vegas that we shared some footage with everyone with. And uh, I was really excited to hear Kyle. I thought he did an amazing job uh, sharing some information with the attendees. And so I thought, you know, this is stuff that I think more people should hear. So I asked him to join the podcast and he graciously accepted. So thank you, Kyle, for joining me. You're welcome. Excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, well, we always start with talking about your ties to Chicago. So, are you from Chicago, or what brought you to Chicago? If you aren't, uh, I am Western suburbs. That's where I was born and raised. So, uh, Glen Ellen, Wheaton area. Okay. Um, and, uh, I've lived in Chicago now, though, for, for eight years. I'm in uh, Wicker Park. Oh, cool. Wicker is um, known to be hipster, right? Is it still like very hipster up there? <laughs> That's where all the cool kids are. Yeah. Well, I'm not cool enough, so I don't live in Wicker. <laughs> but <laughs> I know that like Wicker, Bucktown, um, even out in Avondale, that area is, is really neat because I think it's a very different area of Chicago that I didn't really know. Like I, I've been to Wicker plenty of times and Bucktown maybe a couple of times, but like that whole like Northern kind of area up there, it's just so cool. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think, uh, it's very vibrant with, I think, new ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously a, a diversity of stores, a diversity of food, a diversity of people. Uh, and honestly, I think it's really a nice uh, diversification of, of of different age groups and demographics, okay. which uh, having lived here in Chicago for years, you know, the neighborhood vibe is something that I really, really appreciate about the city. Uh, and in, in the neighborhoods I, I previously frequented, uh, I didn't, I didn't find that right. I, uh, I didn't see the, the type of diversification in Lakeview as I do uh, in Wicker Park, Bucktown, and Logan Square, which is where I've lived for the past, I think, four, four and a half years now. Okay. Uh, Chicago is obviously very important with the neighborhoods. They, they value the neighborhoods a lot. Um, can you kind of look at that growing up in the, the western suburbs and then now living in a Chicago neighborhood and see what may be different or the same or kind of what the vibe between those two really was? You know, I, uh, the, I mean, the history of the, you know, the great sprawl, right, the, the suburbs, uh, you look at my, my parents who grew up on Aberdeen and Grand, right? And the old Italian, you know, Damatos is still there and Bari's. And, um, you know, now it's obviously changing a lot uh, other than those two establishments, which are still there. 
But, uh, you know, a lot of the, back in the day, it was always about having the yard and having, you know, and now yeah. things are changing right now. All of a sudden people are moving back. Uh, but I, I, you know, from, from the suburbs, western suburbs at least of Glen Allen and Wheaton and relating it to Chicago, I mean, I don't, <laughs> uh, there, there, there's not many similarities to be honest, uh, which okay. I, I think uh, is a good thing. Um, at least in my, in my transition, what I've experienced, I'm glad there's a stark difference. It's a great learning curve to go through. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I made that move. It's interesting because for me, I grew up downstate in a very small town. And so for me, it doesn't matter like suburb, city, it's all big. <laughs> it's like, all very different than what I grew up in. And so I look at it as like, not the same, but I mean, it really is in some ways, because it's just like a lot of people, a lot of action, a lot of movement. And I, I wouldn't really know the difference too much, or at least when I was growing up, I wouldn't have known city or suburbs, what the real difference is. Now I live sort of, I live in the loop. So kind of in the heart of the city, as far as, you know, between the North and South. And it's like, it couldn't be more different. It couldn't be more, uh, I, I mean, even just like a few blocks makes a huge difference here. Oh yeah. I, but I think it, it goes to the neighborhoods, right? It's, they're, they're very, very different, which I think is, uh, you know, I think some of the, it's a legacy that Chicago has that I don't think it, uh, it, uh, it should let go. Just like the same kind of legacy Seattle has with, I don't think until you've been to Seattle, you don't really realize that, oh, this is what they mean by it being a coffee city. Because <laughs> a coffee shop on every block. And, yeah. you know, apparently this is still true today, but I think Chicago used to be the place with a tavern on every block. And you can still see the really cool old style signs that have probably been there since the building got built. Those are the bars that I love to frequent, you know, when I when I do get time by myself. Uh, but, like, those, like... <laughs> Being a city full of taverns is, is a real thing. And just like Seattle, being a city full of coffee shops, it's a real thing once you've been and you really start to appreciate it. So one of the things that I've noticed talking with people who grew up here um, or have lived here for a time is how it's sort of this juxtaposition between it's great having the neighborhoods and it's great having neighborhood pride but it also creates some natural uh, boundaries and some sort of, you know, oh, you live in that neighborhood, you live in that neighborhood. And um, and we know with resources, they don't always get allocated equally to these different neighborhoods. So it creates some problems there uh, traditionally for Chicago. For you, do you see that same sort of thing? And, and if you do, how do you interact with that or how do you interact with people from other neighborhoods or how do you see like these neighborhoods kind of coming together? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that on the resource piece because having lived in Lakeview, it's, it's very obvious to me now living in Whitford Park for the past four and a half years. When you walk down the Milwaukee Avenue, sometimes I wonder like, hey, there's like tax paying citizens here and Wicker Park is becoming more gentrified, uh, families moving in, et cetera, but yet, you know, the sidewalks and the streets tend to be littered. Uh, yeah. And personally, where I'm always like, this place is spotless, right? right. Um, I think a lot of the, the activities that are happening, and, and this is obviously all impacted by COVID and the pandemic, but those, 
the, the, the summer festivals, and I'm going to one uh, you know, on Saturday morning coming up. It's called Boo Palooza, a Halloween theme with my daughter, right? It, it, it's at Wicker Park uh, for the little kids to dress up and have fun from 10 a.m. to 2. But I would imagine, right, this is, this is a way that you're going to bring people from different neighborhoods together. And that's what I really appreciate. There's a farmer's market every weekend in Lakeview at the yeah. school. I think they call it the, the netter horse, the needle horse. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, that we always go to, right? So there's there's these there's these community type events that are consistently happening, especially uh, in the, in the nicer weather months. That I think bring bring the communities together, which is nice. Yeah, and obviously in the loop, you know, to be honest, if the person who lived next door to me walked out of their apartment, I, that would be the first time I've ever seen them because I don't even know what they look like, and. It's strange to think about, but that's just the way that it is because people kind of keep to themselves. They kind of do their own thing. It's it's the business district, so it's, you know, people are just busy doing things. And as we're kind of, you know, still trying to get out of this COVID thing, it's like it's still a slow process, but you start to see for the people who are coming back here, it kind of returning back to that sense of, okay, I'm coming here to work or even if I live here, Life is about, you know, accomplishing these goals. And I'm starting to see that come back around where it's like people are just doing their thing. And uh, we have friends that live in our building, so we're lucky because, you know, we get to hang out with them. But um, I, I'm often jealous of people who get to live in a neighborhood with such activity. And the Chicago Loop Alliance does a great job of, of creating some of that. But I think you're always going to be working against that, like, the neighborhoods are out there, and if you live in here, this is why you live here. You want efficiency. You want everything here, right here. You don't want to be bothered. You know, you're not going to have a lot of living space, but you're going to have great amenities, all these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, the, the building, where you choose to live, right, just like where you choose to work, it's going to impact you greatly. Uh, I've been in the neighborhoods now for eight years, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I made that decision. It feels really good. Can you tell me something from your childhood uh, that you learned maybe from your parents or even from a teacher um, in the suburbs that you, you have stuck with you that you kind of keep with you today? You know, I, I actually, uh, this is about my past, but I actually learned it more recently. Okay. Uh, a, a great friend of mine, he's actually uh, the partner and the co-founder of a company in Chicago uh, is called Thoughtium, and his name is Norm Ralph. He used to be at uh, CME Group, now he's a co-founder of this consulting firm. Great guy, and um, we always met, we always talked, we did a, we, we've done a lot of things together with the Executives Club of Chicago, um, and one thing that he pointed out about just my past and my history of uh, the way that I grew up, we're an Italian family, so it's big, but at the end of the day, like, it's actually small. Um, yeah. but the, the high school that I went to, the university I went to was 2,500 people. Um, in my previous life, I used to be a teacher, and when I look at the communities I taught in, they were also very small and very tight-knit. Uh, I taught abroad in international uh, schools, and the, those communities were 500, 600 kids. Uh, to the company I work for now, Guerrero Media, also... 80 people, right? Not a giant corporation. And the conversation we were engaging in is that my entire life has kind of circled around these small, knit type communities. Mm -hmm. And 
was challenging me, like, why Why is that? Like, did you even realize that? Of course, I never put, put it together uh, until then. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that I've, I've come to realize is that I thrive in the small environments and the small communities. Again, this is probably why I live in the neighborhood versus the loop. Uh, because, you know, the ability to be seen and to make an impact and to make a difference and to be heard uh, is there. And you don't have to, I didn't have to work at Euro Media for 10 years to be noticed. Uh, I didn't have to work at these international schools abroad for many years to get recognized or to implement my ideas. Um, things are heard. You're able to make an impact immediately, right? And that's that's where I that that's that's where the motivation and the drive comes in is by being able to make a difference immediately. That's one of the things I think for me that really. When I heard you speak at the conference, I was really inspired by the way that you, I mean, you, you were obviously very confident you, and we don't always get people on the podcast who have done a lot of speaking. And so sometimes they're like, I don't know why people would want to hear my story, or I don't know if I can really tell it in a way that would, you know, get you what you want as far as engagement for an audience. Um, and, and I think when I heard you speak, I think that it was engaging pretty quickly and it was clear that you had practiced, you know, sharing this and it was clear that, that you had experience sharing this, uh, or at least speaking in some way. And so for you, when you talk to people who haven't shared their story or who kind of maybe are not as confident doing that, what are, what are some of the first things that you tell them about sharing with other people about who they are? Because one of the things that connects Bridging Chicago and, and what you do there is that that storytelling, that sharing of your own story. And so I, I kind of want to just start with, for people who don't have that experience, who don't think that maybe their story, people would be interested in that as much. What do you, like, where do you start with that? You know, I think there's, there's a timelessness and a rawness to the path just traveled, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think the real lessons are learned on the track in the street when you still have to pound the pavement. And I think a lot of the stories that people hear, everybody's got a suit and tie on and they're all fancied up, right? And it's like, well, I'm not that person. I, but at the end of the day, it's like those, these are the lessons that no one tells us before it all gets shined up into a fancy memory of the way, you know, basically you wish things had gone, right? And so memory is is very fickle and it's a twisting beast with the recall of uh, with the recall of goldfish, right? And so those who have, you know, summited on high can talk themselves into a, oh yeah, that's the way it went. And in fact, right, the only way the story went was the exact opposite of all that, right? Yeah. Life is it's usually full of less planning. Life is usually full of less brilliance. And it's more, it's more full of a series of mistakes that uh, fortunately, people who are telling these stories have, have handled well and also figured out a way to package them. And so just as any brand kind of has to stumble into its voice, so do you as a human, right? Yeah. And so the only way to start telling your story is to start talking about that story. And part of my story that I realized a couple of years ago was that revelation with Norm Ralph, which is, oh, I tend to get drawn to small communities, right? And now I'm like, holy cow, there's a million stories to unpack about that realization. 
And so once you start engaging and telling your own story and what the, what, what the purpose of your life is and what motivates you and what success and all that good stuff, that's when it really becomes fun. But the first step is like, just say things. And if they sound stupid, good. Because the next time you say it, it I promise it'll probably sound less stupid because you've already, you've already said that the stupidest way and you just start refining them, right? Yeah. It's just, it's a creative iteration over and over and over again. So sometimes the successes can be really easy to share and the failures can be really difficult or the challenges can be really difficult or seem like maybe we're embarrassed or we, you know, we feel like how, like, how could we be so stupid to do that sort of thing? And so we don't want to share that. Um, I found that people really connect with failure or where there were challenging times because they really connect with the humanity of that. Uh, give me your thoughts on failure or, or challenging times and why you feel like people might connect with that or why that's equally as important or maybe more than, uh, than the successful ones. Yeah, you know, I, in a world in which our universities prepare us to become excellent sheep more than to become cantankerous thinkers, right? You only really have one choice, and that is to never let your schooling get in the way of education. And as a former educator, right, I think education transcends. And education isn't about passing standardized exams in universities and high schools, right? Education is about, again, trekking, getting on the pavement, falling down, knocking your two front teeth out, right? Going through it. And that's why people connect to it because it's a learned and lived experience across any industry, any function, any company, any personal walk of life. And so never let your schooling and what you've learned get in the way of your real education, which is going out and doing things. And that education comes with failure, which is unfortunately, uh, which is what we are never taught If we think about the way in which we've been educated since preschool, at least in the States, you know, every three years, every four years, there's a graduation. You're moving on to the next thing, right? All of a sudden we turn 21, 22 and we graduated college after every three years moving on and succeeding. And now it's like, well, now you have to go out and work and it's not just for three years, it's for the rest of your life. And you have to make decisions Right, that are going to scale, but no one ever talks about how to make those decisions, right? Um, and I think that's why so many people end up failing so hard for so long, and there's not an outlet and there's not a forum to have these types of conversations. And I think if we had them earlier on in our life via our education system, and then some, who knows, maybe our education system needs to expand to 40, 50 years old. I don't know, right? I would love a forum, right? And there are forums out there, right, uh, to be a part of. But helping us, be, coaching us on being self-reflective, teaching us how to be self-aware, teaching us to have conversations that matter, that make us feel good, that we at least got it out of our minds and our hearts and into the world, uh, is not is not something that we practice. Yeah, and kind of expanding on that. You know, education is something that never really should stop. You, you know, learning is something that happens throughout life. Um, but people kind of deciding, okay, I'm going to graduate high school and then go to college, or you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, 
it, it's kind of changed. People, people are changing the way that they're doing life and that they're doing education. Um, and, and more people are going back who are 40, you know, in their 30s and 40s are going back to school, um, are doing certificate programs because they're you know, with online school that's become more accessible to p- people. And so for you, what does a good educational system look like where maybe it doesn't stop at 21 or 22 or it doesn't stop when you graduate with your bachelor's or your master's? Um, how do you keep learning when you're not in a system that forces you to read and to react or, or you know, take an exam on what you just read? Mm. Well, you know, I think specifically in this day and age, you're never going to make a difference unless you pay attention. Uh, people, myself included, we need to listen to understand, not to respond. I don't know if there's a system that, I don't know if I can tell you my ideal system educationally that I'd like to implement, but um, I think listening to understand and not to respond is important. I think recognizing good intent and assuming the positive is something that people never do. Assuming the positive. When somebody asks you a question, our immediate thing is, are you attacking me? Do you disagree with me? It's like, wait. Maybe this person's asking a question because they're trying to better understand us, right? So we don't want to shudder at the first word that doesn't resemble a standing ovation, right? Yeah. Um, I Being taught that feeling uncomfortable is healthy, right? And it's part of the growth process. And I know this sounds, this is kind of cliche, like be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, but it's true, and it's, it's true all the way down to the way in which you take care of your own body, right? Like. Conveniences are great, but like if you want to be healthy, just stop being convenient. When's the last time you picked up that shovel, picked up that brake, took out that garbage? Because we have these buildings nowadays that make it so easy for us. Right. Um, and I think also just like reminding yourself on a daily basis that having growth areas is actually a it's a positive sign. It's actually a good thing. It means you haven't maxed out your potential, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think there's this there's this concept of just being being cognizant of like like state versus uh, trait. So you know, state is very behavioral and can be adapted, while you know your your traits are a bit more permanent and a characteristic about yourself. So if you're ever getting feedback, remember that it's probably discussing the state in which you're currently in, not trait. Okay. Yeah, and I uh, I think react reacting in, in a productive way within your own mind is important. The way in which you react in your mind holds so much weight on you. How the things that you tell yourself would you ever tell somebody else? Right. So you tell yourself when you look in the mirror that, for example, you're fat. Would you ever tell somebody else that? Well, why would you tell yourself that? And so just the way in which you talk to yourself internally can have a lot of weight. And I think uh, there's a book called Atomic Habits. I'm forgetting the author right now, but he talks about the way in which you, like for smokers, it's the day you quit smoking, you don't go out and tell people that you're quitting smoking. I'm quitting right now. No, you tell them I'm not a smoker. 
even though it's day one of you quitting, right? It's this internal change of mindset and perception. Uh, how this all relates into how I would build a system to educate people about these things, I have no idea. I think these are more just like some principles that I, I found that, that, that have guided me in terms of building my, protecting my psyche, my confidence, and cultivating, I think, a, a you know, a, a healthy family home, a healthy organization, healthy employees, etc. Um, before we get too much further, I do want to talk about Guerrero Media and what you do there, because I think this all ties into that. And obviously, um, it's a big part of your work. And so, can you share with us about the organization and what it does and then what you do there with it? Yeah, so um, Guerrero Media is the, the, the parent, the, the corporate brand that supports uh, eight other media brands. Okay. And we operate in the legal space, the Latino space, the real estate design space. Uh, and we're, we believe that every executive has a story worth telling. And without a story, every executive is uh, one among many. So those executives with a story, right, are the ones that stand out. And so we help these executives open doors uh, to build great careers and great, awesome, diverse organizations through their stories. And so uh, we really look at the people that are doing heads down work. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of media on Warren Buffett's of the world and the Mark Zuckerberg's. Um, but at the end of the day, who are the CFOs? Who are the chief human resources officers? Who are the chief information officers? Who are the VPs of finance and the VPs of, of tech and tax that are really doing the heads down work and making a difference and shining a light on those stories and what they've been able to accomplish um, for a multitude of reasons, right? These stories end up being an extension of their resume. These stories help them land new funding. These stories help them get onto a, a board seat. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're, we are really passionate about the content we create to help open doors, to build great careers, and also help these executives build great diverse organizations. And when you talk about stories, uh, it's obviously a very personal thing. Um, and that makes me think of values and sort of, you know, our values and, and how that plays into what we do. And so can you tell me about what either the values of the organization or your values are that kind of set the stage for how you do what you do? Yeah, I think when we talk about values, from our perspective, you know, we have three company values and that, that's grit, that's gratitude, and that's greatness. Uh, the three G's, which go along with the fourth G, Guerrero. Um, so, you know, I think, I think, honestly, it all starts with gratitude, in my opinion. Um, it's hard to be gritty and it's hard to be great without having gratitude, right? And being able to reflect. So much learning, so much education comes from being grateful for what you've done, for what opportunities you've been afforded, for what you are working on right now. So I think it all starts with the gratitude. Um, you know, grit is, is pretty straightforward, right? Every single person, no matter what walk of life they come from, is facing a demon, is facing a, a, a something that is limiting them, an obstacle, uh, and they're gonna have to overcome and persevere, and it happens every single day. Something goes wrong every single day in somebody's life. 
uh, and it, it's time it's time to be gritty. Um, and then greatness, right? I mean, this is we have people that want to uh, be the best, no matter if they're better than they were yesterday or the day before, but they just want to make sure that they're better than everybody else. Greatness, right? So also people that are motivated by being better than they were yesterday, right? I'm not great today if I didn't do better, right? Everybody has different types of intrinsic motivation, but that's where the greatness stems from, right? The constant improvement. And, and you know, we're a firm that we're bootstrapped, right? We are, uh, you know, we're debt-free, no investors. We do our thing. We like it that way. Um, and great gratitude and greatness are, are, are the guiding light for everything that we do. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's really... Creating values is also an iterative process. Great gratitude, great gratitude and greatness. The company's been around for on, upcoming on 16 years, uh, but those four values are actually new as of, uh, that was about two, I think about two and a half years ago we created those. So just as humans are, the company as well is also evolving all the time. So the values that I have as, as you know, as a 34 year old now, I, I imagine my values are going to be very different when I'm 45, right? My values when I, when I was a single bachelor are very different now when I'm married to two children. And I'm sure my values will change if I have a third and a fourth children too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's important um, to mention is like, it's okay for those things to change. You know, they should change with your life and they should, you know, just because they change doesn't mean that those other things weren't important at the time or didn't need to be um, the the guiding light at the time, but as we evolve as people, so will those core values, and so will I think so will what we're sort of motivating towards, uh, whether it be family or you know maybe work is really important at a certain time. But I think what I've noticed is a lot of people have trouble giving themselves grace. <laughs> it's like you mess up and you get down on yourself or you don't hit the mark, you get down on yourself. Or it's like you compare yourself to someone else, they're doing better, you're down on yourself. And I feel like there's a lot of people who struggle with giving themselves the grace to say like, my values have changed, that doesn't mean it wasn't important at the time or it doesn't even mean it's not important now, but this is what's gonna guide me. Or like, this is the job that I'm in and this is what I need to go, this is what I need to aim towards now or, or whatever those things may be. But I, I really think in my life and in the life of people that I know, there there seems to be that missing grace sometimes. And I'm like, why are we so hard on ourselves? And why do we let that affect our story and our future story so much? Yeah, and you make a great point there, right? Because I think you know we're all a product of our experiences, right? I am a product of my experiences. And there are so many people who I believe are not a product of their experiences because they chose not to learn from them or they chose not to reflect on them. Mm -hmm. And what you learn from them and the decisions you make because of them makes you who you are, right? So if you're going through those experiences and never like failing, succeeding, doing X, doing Y, and never reflecting on, was that good? Was it bad? Where did I learn from that? Like. At the end of the day, you end up becoming someone that you're just, I don't know what it feels like because I, I don't know if I've ever like not done that. Um, I think, but sometimes I feel like that comes naturally to me versus it being like a learned um, 
I learned it somewhere. I, I personally just still haven't figured out where I, where I learned that from. Yeah. Um, but that, like, you have to learn from all your experiences, both good and bad, which makes, which will then inform you of what your new value should be, what your new goal should be, what the new normal Nathan, what the new normal Kyle should be doing, uh, and who they are. Uh, well, and you work with a lot of people who other people would look at and say, oh, they've made it. Like working with executives, I mean, they're, they're leading organizations and whether they're the CEO or the vice president of some department or something, people would look at that and say they've made it, they've gotten there, they've worked hard, you know, they've, they've reached the pinnacle. And yet we're sitting here saying there's something more either out there or there's something more for you to do for the other people in your organization, there's more work that they need you to do. And so how do you motivate people who have found that success and say like, here I am, I'm leading this company. How do, they, how do we motivate them to keep going? Because I think other people look at that and say, well, they've made it, now they're just gonna, you know, kind of ride on that. And, and yet you're saying there's more. Yeah, you know, I think this, you know, everybody's definitions of success is very, very different. Um, but I would imagine, you know, the, the executives that we work with, right, in order to be able to actually tell uh, genuine, authentic stories, you have to be able to be very intimate with somebody. And when you look at somebody, let's just, you know, for example, CFOs of Facebook or Coca-Cola, right, one of the most intimate ways we engage with our, 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 our readers, our customers, right? It's like, when you have to go on that photo shoot to take a portrait photography in office shots of one of these executives, right? That's incredibly intimate, right? And you know, the emails of what should I wear? How should I look? What colors? Like, yeah. it's very intimate, right? And we have amazing photographers who make everybody feel incredibly comfortable, right? But it's, it's an exchange of trust, right? In order to make, in order, like they're giving us the, the, the power to tell their story in which in most cases, none of them have ever told or at least had it published, right? And so that's incredibly intimate. In regards to how these individuals are motivated, it's the same grind that I think a lot of, uh, all of us go through. At the end of the day, I think, you know, Money makes things easier, but it doesn't mean bring meaning and purpose and value to anything that you're doing. So the the common the common thread through all of this is finding meaning and purpose. And the people that are are at the I think the, the top of these organizations, they're why why would somebody continue to work so hard even though they're making all of this money, right? It's the meaning, it's the purpose, it's some type of passion that they found within their job. It's some type of passion that they found that their job enables them to pursue outside of it, right? There, there's, there's some type of deeper meaning that connects all of this. Um, and at the end of the day, there's a lot of pride involved, right? I always tell myself that I am the stock that is gonna determine a company's culture and its real value, right? Forget the stock price, right? That is a result of a company's culture and its true value, right? I am the I am the person who's gonna determine the new normal at work, right? I'm gonna determine what the culture's gonna be like for many people. That is really, really meaningful, right? And I know that, right, I am the concoction of my parents, 
on the concoction of my siblings and friends and my education that's going to result in the success and failures of humankind for the next 50 plus years, right? I am the concoction of that. And so I am the person that's 100% responsible for my decisions and my actions that are either going to lead to future generations who will enjoy the fruits of my labor, right? Or those future generations are just going to have to work relentlessly to <laughs> All of my mistakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the things that I connect to motivation, even though there might be a perceived, you know, image of maybe I'm at the top, uh, I'm nowhere near it. But the individuals we work with are certainly right. Uh, but they're connecting back to a deeper meaning, which it's really fun for us to pull those things out. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that we talk about social responsibility because I always love to hear people share about um, what they're doing. And I think one of the things that is important is our social responsibility and how we interact with that. And so can you share with us about um, how, what that means to you and sort of how the organization is helping under-resourced areas to be able to, to you know, get some of those resources and to be able to be in the same places that some of the people that you're working with now are at, or at least feel like their kids can get there. Yeah. I mean, the, the stories that we tell are, are people who are tried, true and successful, but at the end of the day, they're part of underrepresented communities mm -hmm. and voice to underrepresented communities is powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at Bloomberg, when you look at Forbes, right, um, multitude of other business journals, you wonder how in the world has nobody ever told the story, right, of somebody like Michelle Lee, who was, you know, the general counsel <clears throat> at Twitter, and now she's at Pinterest, right? Born and raised in New York City, Mets games, or she's of Asian descent, parents owned a supermarket. She, you know, she'd go there every day after school, right? How is how is how is her story never been told, right? Uh, and we take a lot of pride in that. Social responsibility, you know, in right now, specifically in this climate, a lot of people are talking about their rights. This is my right. This is my right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think the the conversation that we, I think we're starting to engage in it, and I don't have a solution to it right now, but. You do have rights, and those rights come with responsibilities. <laughs> that is what is not being talked about right now is, well, there's responsibilities that come with those rights. And that's the conversation that I'm interested in having. Yeah. What are your responsibilities because of the rights you've been afforded? Mm. Uh, and so part of those responsibilities are social. And really putting aside, you know, evading tax dollars, you know, whether you're high income, you know, whatever it be, right? Where is this money going? As long as we have trusted government officials, right? Where we know that, hey, we are going to raise a community up. We are going to reach back and pull up those, right? Who traveled the same path that our grandparents or our great grandparents did 80, 90 years ago, who have afforded me, right? The opportunity right now Right, of oh, being on a podcast such as this, right? 
they couldn't speak English, you know, Italian immigrants, right? So, I mean, that's what it's about because I look at, you know, the states moving forward, I'm almost like, man, like, we need struggle. We want struggle. Like, that's what this thing is built on, right? Yeah. yeah. Those stories. I enjoy the struggle and reaching back and being able to help, right? That's what it's all about and giving those people a voice because you talk about real, awesome, powerful stories. They have they have them. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and hopefully we get to share more of them uh, because, you know, so I always tell people is our platform is your platform. You know, we're, we're not going out there and looking for any particular type of person, but we will bring on any particular type of person. And if you have a story to share, um, and even if you don't know if you do, you know, we, one of the things that we try and do is to bring that out in people and to share what they don't even realize people need to hear. And, um, and I really appreciate the opportunity I get to do that. And I really get appreciate the opportunity I get to hear from people like you who are also doing that. And so um, thanks for sharing that. And, and I think that um, one of the things that I want people to, to feel is motivated. I want them to feel motivated to continue to do the work and share the story of that work because I think that no one has ever, in my opinion, no one has ever really made it because even people who are at that top level are saying there's something more out there and that's what I'm going for. I don't feel like anyone ever, really successful people don't just say like, I'm here, I'm going to sit down, this is it. Um, But there's always more and it's not about like not being happy with where you're at or not being grateful for you know, the people who came before you and where you're at now, but it's just about wanting to do more for the world and, and leaving it in a better place. And, and I think for me, like every day, I just want to do a little bit more for the, for my world and where I'm at, because I know like that's, I'm not going to have a great effect on the, the bigger world, but you know, if people hear these stories, if people hear our podcast and they get motivated, they get inspired or they, they want to share their story with one other person. I think for me, that has value. Yeah, every 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 story counts, right? Um, yeah. What 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 you think leads to what you say, and what you say leads to what you do. And so, the thoughts you allow into your heart and your mind should be in alignment with hopefully who you are and and what you do. And so protect your mind because it leads to what you say and will ultimately lead to what you do. And hopefully those things are making an impact, whether it's global, whether it's domestic, or whether it's just like with one person in your neighborhood. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave off because I think that's a really important point and I, I want people to hear that. And so we're going to, we're going to leave off there and, um, I, I want to thank you, Kyle, for your time. Um, it was really appreciative. And I think that um, people will really enjoy the episode. So thank you for your time and for your thoughts. Um, and, you know, we hope that we get to continue to connect with you. Um, so I'd like for you to just share with us if people are interested in what you're doing or they want to read more about um, what you your thoughts are, if you could Tell us where they can connect with you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too big into social media, but I do have a Twitter. 
So always love more followers. Um, my I don't even know what my handle is. I'm looking at it right now. My last name is long, Evangelista underscore KE. Also just Kyle at GuerreroMedia.com. Website, GuerreroMedia.com. Um, check us out, happy to connect wherever. I'm also on LinkedIn, Kyle Evangelista. Yeah, thanks again for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, you can obviously listen to this in all future episodes. You can also listen to our previous seasons at www.bridgingchicago.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, or you can also find us on Twitter and LinkedIn, just as Kyle is. So you can search Bridging Chicago, and on Facebook, we are SATC Law. So thanks again for listening, and we look forward to sharing with you on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.